All right, my name's Ray. I'm the pastor here at Church Untamed. Um, we um, started a, a series a couple of weeks ago um, called Lessons from the Wild Places. And to be honest, I keep switching between lessons from the wild places and lessons from the wilderness, but it's okay. Either, either way, it's, it's, it's going to be good. Um, and so the last time that we talked, we talked about, we looked at Isaiah 43. Now, Isaiah is awesome. Um, Isaiah is uh, one of the major prophets. Um, one of the great things about Isaiah is that um, basically the first part of Isaiah is all about, man, look at all the stuff. You keep going through the same cycle over and over and over again, Israel. And if you keep going through the same cycle, this is what's going to happen. And then it gets to about chapter 39, chapter 40, and it changes. And it goes from, man, look at all the stuff that you've done. Look at what you deserve as a consequence of all the stuff, the same cycle that you keep going around, the same mountain, the same cycle of slavery, the same cycle of sin, all that stuff. And then it gets to Isaiah 40, and it changes, changes gears. And it talks about um, the, not what's been done, not just what's happening in the past, not what's happening now, but what is about to happen. And I love that fact that God's like that. Uh, He cares about our past, he cares about our current situation, but he continues to keep pointing us towards the future, the the behold I'm about to do a new thing, and that's where we're going to go. So um, um, if you want to turn to Isaiah 43, that would be a good place to go. Um, Just for those of you that weren't here last time, I'll just really quickly maybe spend a couple of minutes going over it. So, um, so Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 13, I'm not going to read it out again, read it in your own time, that's cool. But the lessons that we can take out of it is that it doesn't matter whether we're going through fire, it doesn't matter whether we're going through high water, it doesn't matter whether we're in heaven or in hell in our current circumstance, God is with us no matter what. Yeah, that's right. All right? He is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And eventually, once we take a hold of that, we will become as witnesses. All right? So because of what he's done in our lives, we become as witness. We can say to other people, God is who he says he is, and he'll do what um, he says he will do. Right. So as a, um, as a message, uh, the whole idea was God meets us in the wilderness places. He meets us in the wild places. Okay? He, and not only that, he uses those circumstances that we find ourselves in for maximum good for our maximum benefit, okay? Because of this, we don't need to fear the wilderness or the wild places, whether we're out there because of our own decisions or by circumstance. He didn't promise us that we'd live safe, comfortable lives. He didn't say that he would send us to wild places. He didn't say he wouldn't send us to wild places. He said, do not fear. All right, so that's, that's where we're at. So for some of us, one of the things that we were left with at the end of the, um, during the altar is for some of us, some of us are in the wilderness at the moment. We feel isolated. Um, we're out, in the, we're out, out of our comfort zone. You know, we're doing all of that stuff. For some of us, we've been in the same spot forever and ever and ever. Okay? So if that's the case, what does that mean for us now? All right? So for the passage today, we're going to look at Isaiah 43... Uh, verse 14 to 21, okay? And it's, ba- it's basically just following on from the last, the last time we talked. All right, so here we go. So here we go. Now, um, when, we think of, when we think of the wilderness, when we think of the wild places, there's, there's like one um, specific time in the Old Testament that sort of 
overshadows every other time, even though um, this particular time there was a cycle of people getting themselves back, the Israelites getting themselves back into slavery. But the one that you'll think of as soon as you go, who, who is it? Who's the, what's the one time that, um, that the Israelites ended up in the, in the wilderness? What, what's the time that we they often talk about? Sorry? Okay, so coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery in, in Egypt. All right? So the Israelites spent 40 years in the desert. And one of the really weird things, and it always tripped me out when I did my um, Old, Testament, um, Old Testament thing, was that the actual desert that they were in for 40 years, they could have actually crossed in the space of a few days. It's so, it's so strange. They could have actually crossed the wilderness in the space of a few days. Like geographically, that was, you know, A to B. You know, but Moses was obviously not a male driver. No, we're going to get there. No, no toilet stops. No, you don't need water. Let's just, let's just get there. Um, but they spent 40 years there. And for a couple of reasons, I sort of feel one, one is that they just weren't ready to take the promised land. They were still slaves in their own mind. And secondly, God was still having to teach them some stuff in the wilderness. He had to, he had to teach them how not to be slaves and how to be his chosen people instead. Which is crazy. So have a think about that. Let's look at Moses for a second. So in order for Moses to lead the people out of the wilderness, he was an Israelite who was brought up in the kingdom, uh, in the kingdom like Pharaoh's court, brought up to be a prince, and then taught how to be an Israelite again. So that he could leave the Israelites, who had known nothing but slavery for generation after generation after generation, to teach them how to be sons and daughters, and it took him 40 years to do it. It's pretty crazy. All right, so this, is, so this passage, Isaiah 43, verse 14 to 21, sort of comes from that whole idea that, do you know what, even after that point, God did some amazing miracles in the wilderness, like some amazing miracles, um, mana on the ground, water out of the rock, like, it, like provided water, provided food, um, provided miracle after miracle, a pillar, of, a pillar of cloud to follow by day, a pillar of um, fire to follow by night. The presence of God literally resided in a tent that people could come and hang and have staff meetings with. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing. But after a certain amount of time, even the miraculous becomes mundane, hey? We kind of take it for granted. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's what happened, or that's part of the story of what happened in there. All right? And so even after that time where the Israelites were taken out of slavery, there's this pattern in the Old Testament of the Israelites or God's chosen people time and again putting themselves back into slavery again. So it's following the same cycle over and over again. You've got the judges, you've got the minor prophets, you've got the major prophets. Israel's like, oops, we did the thing again. God says, don't do the thing. All right? Hey, I'll send someone to help get you out of the thing. Oh, thanks, God, you're awesome. Oops, we did the thing again. Okay? So, anyway, so 43 verse 14 to 21. So it's the Lord's promise of victory. So verse 14 says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer. Now, if you take nothing away from today apart from the fact that God redeems, redeems your situation, redeems your circumstance, redeems your life, that's a good thing to take away. All right? So it's not God the judge here. It's God the Redeemer, the one who redeems. The Holy One of Israel. For your sakes I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. Now let's just, for a second, so this is the start of the, the, the passage. This is, the, uh, this is in the middle, actually, but this is the start of this particular passage. It's pretty interesting. So before God says what I'm about to do, 
He says, don't worry, your current situation... So the current situation at the time was that the Israelites were being oppressed by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were the biggest... They were the, the big bads of the time. They were the biggest situation around. God says, don't worry about that. He promises victory. I'll save you from your current situation, whatever your biggest, baddest situation is. Now, that's got a corporate meaning, and then that's got a personal meaning for us. So before you take on board anything else today... You've got to bear in mind that whatever your biggest situation in your life is at the moment, God's saying, I, I'm the redeemer. I'm the one who redeems that situation. So you take whatever that situation is. God's saying, don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of it. So that's where we're starting, all right? It's quite a good place to start. I am the Lord your God, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I love that possessive, I am the Lord your God. Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. See, remember, he's reminding them, of, he's reminding the Israelites of, remember all of those things that, I used, that I've done for you in the past? Remember all of those times that I've come through for you? Well, actually, the, the, biggest, the biggest things that I've done for you in the past is actually like the baseline for what I'm about to do. Mm, good. So you think of the greatest miracle that God's done in your life at this point in time. That's the baseline for what he's about to do. I quite like that. Yes, I'll, take, I'll take that. If I'm going to take a blessing, I'll take the current level of the best thing that God's ever done for me is the baseline for yeah, what he's about good. to do. Our God is a God who can do the impossible. I called forth the mighty... So verse 17, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. So what God's doing here is reminding the Israelites where they've come from. One of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament is the baseline for what's about to happen. So check it out. It goes into verse 18. But forget all that. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever had those times where you've like reminded people of the great stuff that you've done? I've done that with my kids quite often. <laughs> you know, the kids complain, you never do anything for me. Hey, 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 just a minute. We've clothed you, we've fed you. Do you remember those cool toys that we gave you that one time? You know, we... we... (laughs) That one time. time. But God says, but forget all that. So what he's doing is he's gone from, there's the old. I'm going to deal with your current situation. I've already dealt with your biggest situations in the past. But forget all that. It's nothing compared with what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Seek our God as a God who makes a way where there is no way. He creates water in the dry desert. Now, I don't know about you. At my lowest wilderness times, at my lowest wild places, man, I've been pretty dry. Like, I've felt desiccated and mummy-like. <laughs> but God says he'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Verse 20, the wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Now, remember from last time, one of the things that we said was that the wilderness was the place where the wild animals are. Okay, well, what do we look like when we're lost? 
what do we look like when we're at our lowest? We kind of we revert back to animal state. We go into fight or flight mode. We become animalistic. I don't know about you, but like, um, I look like a bear when I'm backed into a corner. I'm kind of like a... That's, that's me. <laughs> 90% of the time, I'm a teddy bear. 1% of the time, I'm a grizzly bear. 9% of the time, I'm making inappropriate jokes because that's how I cope with everything else, all right? I'm the kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that um, I'm the kind of guy that actually um, connects more with Esau than Isaac. I'm just saying. Um, sorry, that was a side. Oh, okay. So the jackals and the owls, the wild, the wild animals, those that are lost. Okay. So those lost in the wilderness. The great thing is, is that God's blessing, the blessing of what God's about, what God's about to do, He's going to send His Son. Jesus is about to invade the world and not come with. Um, Hullabaloo and um, armies and overthrow the government. He's actually come to redeem the world. Not only not only those that are God's chosen people, but those that are like wild animals at the moment. Yeah, so I, I I love that thought is that God hasn't just come to redeem His chosen people. He's going to redeem the wild animals as well. Those which don't have humanity. Think of the think of the I don't know. What do jackals do? They tear strips off human beings. So, you know, whoever that person is in your life that tears strips off you. I wonder for my kids if that's me. No, um, that's not true. Yes, I will make... Uh, so, not just, so those lost in the wilderness. The blessing's not just for the chosen, but for everyone. Not just for the Israelites, not just for the Jews, but there's enough living water for everyone. See, the thing is, as Gentiles, are there any Jewish people in the room just right now? Just anyone hailing from Israel? Great. So we're currently standing here in the overflow of the living water. You know, so God came to redeem his chosen people because for the simple fact that we're Gentiles, we weren't God's original chosen people. So we're literally living in the overflow of God's blessing, which I think is pretty cool. Now, as, um, as, Western, as Western Gentiles, what we like to do sometimes is we like to um, take the place of, oh, well, we're Israelites. You know, that's, that's quite, it's an easy thing to do, and it's quite a good theological basis for that as well. We are part of God's chosen people, but it's also interesting to note that actually we're the wild people as well. Mm-hmm. All right? So, yes, I'll make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself, and they will someday honor me before the whole, the whole world. See, the thing that we need to take away from that passage is that God's invested in us. It's his desire to save us. It's not only his desire to save us, it's his desire to redeem the whole world to himself. Okay? The other thing that's quite interesting is that, you know, um, as I was reading through this, what requires more faith, us believing in God or God believing in us? So we have to choose to believe in a God who is faithful, who is who he says he is, who does what he says he will do. But actually he has faith in us as well. It's a bad deal. <laughs> it's a terrible deal. Like, if we just look at this particular point in time, um, and actually the verses from that point, which we're not going to go into, but it goes back into a passage where um, it's talking about the Israelites not honouring their part of the bargain. And the thing that, oh, okay, I've made Israel for myself, and they will someday honour me before the whole world. And it goes into um, some more stuff where it talks about how God's not remembered 
The great thing that we can take away from it, though, is that even though we are unfaithful, God is faithful. So it's the it's, it's the it's the it's the um, it's the broken and the, uh, it's the broken um, partnering ourselves with the redeemed. It's the finite partnering themselves with the infinite. Like we get the best end of the deal. It's a, it's amazing. See, I don't know about you, but it, um, as, a, as a Sunday school kid, we'd, we'd hear Exodus. Uh, we'd hear about Exodus. We'd hear about the Israelites doing all the silly stuff, making the calf, you know, while, while Moses is up on the mountain, literally talking to God and God giving him a way to live their life. And by the time he got down, they'd already broken the commandments. Um, we can sit there and as, as from, from our nice armchairs. And, um, and have that tut-tut moment. Have you ever done that where you sort of go, Isra- silly Israelites in the desert for 40 years. Silly Israelites in the wilderness for all that time. Silly Israelites making all that, making all that time. But the thing is, is that don't we all go through those times where we're like the Israelites? See, our faith waxes and wanes. It gets, it gets better. And there's times where we're not really sure whether we, whether we even believe in God at all. Now, there's probably some great faith people in the room that are like, no, I've never been like that. God is and always will be. Do you know what? That's amazing. That's so good. That's not always the case either. All right? We've all experienced the low-grade despair that comes when our days blend into each other. Have you ever had Groundhog Day? Does, does it sometimes feel like Groundhog Do you remember that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day, where the day sort of blends into one another? You know, you wake up, you eat breakfast, you brush your teeth, you go to school or to work or to the office... You change another nappy if that's where you're at. God bless the people that change their nappies. You do another load of laundry. You write a check, you fill a tank, you cook a meal, and then you repeat it all over again the next day. One day starts to look like the next. Everything starts to feel the same. And it's like the equivalent of the refrigerator buzz. You hear the, you know, the Well, I guess this is what my life is now. See, the thing is, is that um, we've got to remember what the, Israel, what the Israelites came out of before they were put into the wilderness of the wild places. See, it takes us back to Exodus. See, the story of Exodus is the story of those Hebrew slaves being rescued from Pharaoh. And it's not just a story about the God who rescues people from having to make bricks every day. It's about the God who rescues people from other kinds of slavery as well. Any situation, any circumstance. I don't care what mess you've got yourself in. God doesn't care what mess you've got yourself in. He's going to meet you there. Whether it's, a, whether it's some spectacular train wreck of a thing, or whether you're just stuck in the mundane going around and around and around and around again. See, life in, life in Egypt was comprised of making bricks for Pharaoh all day, every day. So this was the, this was the Israelites' life. Bricks... Bricks, bricks, eat, sleep, more bricks, bricks, bricks. Uh, when Pharaoh gets mad with you, bricks without straw, which makes it harder to make brick, bricks. Tomorrow will be just like today, bricks, bricks, bricks. See, when the um, Israelites are rescued, however, God takes them out of their mundane and takes them into the wild places. And it doesn't take too long for the Israelites to start complaining. See, in the wilderness, when we find ourselves in those um, lonely places, 
Sometimes we long back, long to go back to the old ways. Have you ever found out that when you're at your lowest, you'll go back to the old stuff that used to provide some comfort? You know, what, I don't, whatever that is for you, it's the old, you know, those old things. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's um, sex, whether it, whatever that looks like for you. That's where the temptation lies, is when you're in those wild places, when you're in the wilderness. All right? See, in the wilderness, sometimes, like the Israelites, we long to go back to the old days, the way what came before, brick-making, but God ruins us for the mundane. See, the first thing that the Spirit does in creation is move. That tells us the deepest matters of the Spirit are constantly moving, shifting, and morphing. The life of the Spirit is a dynamic reality, taking us through all kinds of a myriad of emotions, experiences, and states of how we feel, our thoughts, our attitudes, whatever that looks like for us. And we know that. We know we go through those times of highs and lows. Sometimes we're exhausted. Other times we're overwhelmed with doubt. Sometimes we're on top of the world and everything's going smoothly. Other times we find ourselves standing in the midst of the wreckage, surrounded by smouldering flames, wondering how it all went wrong. See, the thing is, is that we're not called to only sing the happy songs in church. We often ask um, people to sing happy songs, but the thing that we have to understand is that if we're following the way that the Bible tells us to, the Bible's not just full of happiness. Half of the Psalms are laments, God, what are you doing in this situation? God, where are you? See, the Bible's not a collection of war chants from victors. It's an incredibly varied collection of writings reflecting a really diverse amount of postures, moods, and perspectives. So we don't have to just read the Bible when we're feeling victorious. So the Bible will feed and sustain us through any situation. See, this is a lot, like, the Bible's a lot like how life is actually. Sometimes you're furious with God, other times you're madly in love. See, the issue then is, is it's not just getting us out of Egypt. It's not just getting us out of that place where we feel... Uh, the same thing going over and over again. It's getting the Egypt out of us as well. Okay? Rescuing us from the sameness, dullness, flatlined routine, reminding us that however we're feeling, whatever we're experiencing, wherever we are in our heart, the Spirit of God waits to meet us there. That's what we need to, un- that's what we need to understand. Jesus meets us in the wild places, and he meets us in the mundane. He meets us wherever we're at. God will let the enemy take what you have, but only so you can go take it back and get the extra, so you can pursue, overtake, and recover all. Um, my, friend, um, my friend Charlotte, um, she has this blog called Marks by Love, which I really, which I really love. Um, and um, she writes all kinds of quite crazy stuff on it that she can't always um, say out loud because it sounds different. Um, but she, she put this thing on it just the other day, which I, I thought was really good about what I'm trying to get at, mm-hmm. that God, God meets us exactly where we're at. So this is what she wrote. Hi. It's good to know, I think, that we're all on the long road home. Now, for some of us, the road home is a bit longer than others. <laughs> to realise the ache for more is not meaningless, that our souls are ever straining, up, are straining ever upward, ever forward because we know more deeply than we care to admit that this is not it. 
that the vast unending that this vast unending wonder is a whisper of something else. That we were born for beauty that overshadows every fear, sweeping us up into its arms and washing away every last speck of dirty or broken. I never feel embraced in the city, but in the country, in the wilderness, in the wild places I am held. The uncreated created in his creation. Echoes of a love that was here before I ever began. See, it says time and again in the Bible that it doesn't matter whether you're going through heaven or hell. It doesn't matter whether you're in the lowest of the low or the highest of the high. God's ready to meet you exactly where you're at. Not only that, he's willing to walk with you through hell. He's willing to walk with you through the fire. He's willing to walk with you through the high waters, through the storms of life. Not only that, he's willing to live your entire life with you. That he's willing to provide counsel, that he's willing to provide um, uh, comfort, that he's willing to provide refuge when we need it, that he's willing to provide a place where we can lick our wounds. But he won't force us and make us camp there forever. Not only that, not only has he done great things for us in the past, not only is he ready to help us in our current situation, But he's calling to us and saying, behold, I'm about to do something new. He's calling us on towards everything that he has for us. See, the thing that we have to understand is that I don't know if you're a Christian here today or not. But if you're not, you need to know that your current situation is not your final destination. You need to know that it doesn't matter whether you're having the best week of your life or the worst week of your life. God's calling you somewhere else. He's calling you home. So, in a minute, we're going to put some music on. And there's two groups of people that I'd love to pray for, all right? Um, you've got some people that are stuck in the wilderness. So, basically, you've been in the same spot, uh, stuck in the wilderness. So, basically, you're out of your comfort zone. You might feel isolated. You might feel alone. Do you know what? You never need to feel alone. So, you have a creator that loves you like no one else. You have a savior that, um, that sacrificed himself just so you could have life and life everlasting. Um, You have a Holy Spirit that is willing to live in you and through you so that um, you begin to change. Your attitudes, your hearts, your current situations, whatever that is. See, our God's a God of redemption. Our God is a God of reconciliation. So it doesn't matter whether you're stuck in the wilderness or stuck in the mundane. God is doing something new in this season. Behold, Isaiah 43, verse 18, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do now. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Let me pray for you guys. What we'll do is we'll just put some music on. That's going to be the end of our service. But um, we've got great food out there, coffee out there. Make sure you come up and say hi if we haven't met you before. But I'd love to pray for you. But in here, what we're going to do is it's just going to be... um, we're just going to have just a space for prayer up here. And if you need prayer, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful group of people. Lord, we thank you so much that you're with us in the wilderness and you're with us in the mundane. Lord, we thank you so much that for everything that you've done in our lives, for everything that you're doing in our lives, and for everything that you're about to do. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your son to save us to provide a way where there was no way, to provide living water so that we would um, not perish in those dry places, Lord, but, um, but begin to live the life that you called us to, 
life and life everlasting, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much. It's not just pie in the sky when we die, but you've called us to bring heaven to earth, Lord. You've called us to be part of the plan that redeems all of the world to yourself. And so, God, make us great witnesses for you. Um, help us to reach out to those, uh, to those wild people, those ones that are lost, those ones that are stuck in the wilderness, Lord. And help us, uh, give us the strategies to bring them home. Lord, we love you. And we just continue to reach out to you. Um, um, operate, uh, uh, operate within us. Mold us. Make us new. Uh, continue to draw us ever closer to your image so that we're a greater reflection of who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.